This is the 2.1 cast. Visit the2.1.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at the2.1. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the 2.1 cast. I'm your host Neil Murray and once again I'm joined by Stefan and a returning James Kearney. How are you doing James? Uh, better. Yeah. Doing better now. Yeah. yeah. I've crawled out of my hole. Yeah. Had that week to recover, kind of get a bit of perspective. Yeah. And Dylan's, Dylan's still going to be there next year. That's all that matters. Yeah, exactly. How are you doing Stefan? I'm good. I've had a LCD sound system fueled weekend so... I couldn't be smiling high, uh, happier right now. I know, I was going to say, you're loving life. Uh, yeah, also, I just cannot believe how warm this flat is. I feel we're in a bloody sauna. I'm actually... It's just Glasgow, mate, you know? Typical, I know. Tropical Glasgow. Uh, and global warming. Uh, we're going <laughs> to start the first of a three-part series today uh, on the podcast. So we're going to look at uh, our team of the year, our Scottish Premiership team of the year. So everything we base it off will be performances in the league. Uh, I don't think... Ours will probably have as much debate as the one on Twitter, purely because I just think that is probably impossible and everybody's anger has been exuded. So, um, Well, yeah. it might. I mean, actually, we were talking about who you might be choosing for certain positions. And, uh, well, the, the anger on Twitter was basically Celtic fans saying, why isn't every single player a Celtic player? Mm. Actually, okay, now that you put it that way. Then, yeah. Yeah. Which is probably a perfect time to try and explain to anyone listening that this isn't a list of the 11 best players in the Premiership. It's who we think in context and in yeah in context of their own team did as well as any as they possibly could. Yeah. I mean, is there a way we can shut off comments on the podcast for the next couple of weeks so people cool off? No. Uh, I don't know. No, okay, okay, brilliant. Well, we're going to do defence anyway. <laughs> defence and goalkeeper to start with. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm guessing goalkeeper is the best place to start. I've got a feeling there's going to be a, a, a kind of favourite here and... It's not going to be kind of rocket science or very unpredictable who will be chosen. But what's we'll up with you, James? Who would be your goalkeeper of the year? Uh, well, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it's very boring, but John McLaughlin um, made it into the official team of the year as well, and with very good reason. Uh, he's made more saves than anyone else in the league, he's faced more shots than anyone else in the league. And if you look at the discrepancy between the amount of goals they've actually conceded compared to their expected goals against. There's a 10 goal swing there, which again is the highest of any team in the league. Uh, very few teams even have a negative swing, but it's mostly positive. So yeah, I think he's, he's excelled in basically every department he could possibly be expected to. And personally, I'm convinced that if if, if Hearts didn't have McLaughlin in goals, they would have been in the bottom half of the table. Yeah, I think there's probably few players in that we can name today that will be as vital or were as vital to a team as McLaughlin was for Hearts. Um, I think you're right. I think he probably did a huge amount of paving over a lot of cracks in Levine's team. Um, I mean, if, if if Hearts didn't have that defensive record, they just about had nothing this season, did they? So, yeah. um, I, I, I actually he's my he's my uh, goalkeeper as well. Um, I think all three of us actually agreed on that, which is not this it's not how this team will go, and I can assure you. Um, but. It's probably the most sure. I think that and maybe striker, which we'll go into in a couple of weeks, but uh, are the most obvious positions in terms of a one standalone, in my opinion. Um, so, yeah, I don't think I can add anything in terms of stats or anything except uh, from what you've said there, uh, James. So, yeah. No, I mean, I can't really add that much either. I think it's just that I don't think it's confirmed 100% whether he's leaving yet. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. 
if he does, I mean, I don't actually think they can replace him. I really, I really don't. I don't think they're going to have a... It's going to be... Well, that's a lie. They obviously can't replace him, but it's going to be extremely difficult because Berra's going to be a year older next year. Um, Suter has been um, quoting a lot of suitors, if you will. Um, so I, I think Hearts really... Need, if they want to keep that together, the core of that kind of defence, McLaughlin is a key part. Um, I think he's also a key part in how Berra and Suter have been a good partnership. Um and I completely agree. They would, they would be bottom six. Um, they've. I think Levine would probably maybe admit that as well. He knows it has been a bit of a tumultuous season, and um, he's had to kind of paper over the cracks and steady that ship. Uh, McLaughlin is maybe one of the constants there that was um, consistently a good performer and somebody who could be relied upon. And uh, his stats are actually unbelievable. In the fact that he is in a team, a top six team, he's made the most saves. I mean, no offence, but of a party Thistle team, because he did that many goals. Yeah, County as well, you know. Again, yeah. Like he's made more saves than Gary Woods or Cherney, and they've played basically every game for their teams. Exactly. I think, and I think that just cannot be underplayed. And yeah, I mean, not really much else to say. There's a couple of maybe keepers that deserve a mention. I think Trevor Carson's had a good season. Yeah. Uh, Motherwell. Uh, I think Marciano at Hibs actually as well. Mm. He's he was he did a good season at Hibs, not as well as uh, McLaughlin. No. I think probably not as good as Carson either. He had a couple of mistakes, Marciano, but he's a really good shot stopper and yeah. he has quality as well. Um, Another good find from Hibs from definitely. the markets. Yeah. Hibs, Hibs have got a record of signing goalies like that where it's like they're a bit inconsistent, but like generally in terms of like reflexes Cammy and, Bell. and stuff like that, they're definitely very good at that stuff, mm-hmm. you know, but then sometimes they just mess up the basics. Yeah, and I think, I think Cherney's probably another one. I was yeah. kind of mulling over Cherney to start the episode, but kind of decided, well, can't really give it to, well maybe he can but I don't think he's done as well as McLaughlin although there have been big games and big saves he's made actually uh, through the season you'll know more than I James but um, yeah. so he deserves he's been busy yeah <laughs> unfortunately he, do you know what actually in a season in which we've seen Thistle just about put up no fight whatsoever yeah. he's probably the only player I think in that team that has would that be fair? Uh, Dylan's played his part and I think Ryan Edwards did well for us as well. But anyway, that's a conversation for another time. Okay. Um, that's, for, that's for three weeks' time. We'll <laughs> another minor one, Lewis Aberdeen had sparks of brilliance as well, I think. They're not enough to obviously say it's I think what season, happened, did he, he, he was, was there not a big feature on him in the build-up to one of the BT Sport games and then he had an absolute howler of a game. And then ever since then, he's, he's still been decent, don't get me wrong, but... Uh, that, that cup semi-final against Motherwell, I mean... Yeah. Yeah, not great. Start. Not great. I think, um, before we go on quickly, just with McLaughlin... Deserves the Scotland call up, I'm guessing, yeah. Mm-hmm. And would you say that you would? Would you start him? I don't see why not. Um, I think you know what you're going to get with Gordon at international level. These friendlies are a perfect opportunity to experiment. I think you'd be kind of daft not to, to be honest. Give him a run out, see how he gets on, and then you know he could be a contender for the, the jersey going forward. Fair enough. Uh, going to defence now. Yeah, I think we're yeah, agreed. Yeah. So, so uh, McLaughlin gets the goalkeeper spot. Right. Yeah, I think that's. I think it's hard to can argue against that, isn't it? Really, um, where will we start? Will we start in the centre? or Will we start at fullback? What do you think? Oh, you can't start in the centre. Okay, you know what? Okay, right, right. We'll start. Did, in, did you never play football manager? Um, I mean, it's been since like 2000, no, 1999. season was the last one I probably played on Championship. Bloody hell. Championship manager, yeah. Um, so the answer is no. Um, <laughs> let's start left back then. Which again, I think a lot of people would probably expect that um, it would be. A kind of foregone conclusion who would be, but I'm gonna start with you, Stefan, because you're gonna rock the boat. I was gonna say you guys go first, and then I'll offer. Okay, we can start. We can start. Um, James, I'll let you start. Uh, well, yeah, again, no surprises here, but Kieran Tierney. Um, I think he's 
probably the best young player in Scotland to be honest I think in terms of his potential and like how far up the game it can go I think he really does seem to have it all um, going forward particularly for Celtic he offers you so much uh, in terms of key passes per 90 that's like pass lead to shot he's fifth in the league overall and the people that are ahead of him are Scott Allen Danny Candias uh, Milankovic and Lee Erwin so they're all you know midfielders yep. forwards as the guy at left back is getting is creating as many chances and he's so also the thing is as well he's also he's made 19 so and actually in overall he's third and yeah of course like it means he's obviously played more minutes than some of these players but to have played 19 key passes from left back this season is pretty remarkable uh-huh. isn't it and like he is only behind James Tavernier and uh, Candace like it's um, even that's the again. Yeah, yeah, that's very really up on that. Like, what the hell? Tavernier. Yeah, Tavernier. <laughs> Played for Columbia this summer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's, I'm com- so I'll yeah. continue. I'm completely with you. Like, probably back to to me like that. Just gonna say as well, just in terms of his passes per ninety against similar story. Um, so the top Celtic dominate the top ten. Mm-hmm. Like every single uh, top ten is uh, a top ten is a Celtic player. But against Tierney seventh in the league overall. Uh, his stats have dropped off a little bit compared to last season, but. I think that's true of basically everyone across the board at Celtic, so he maybe gets a pass on that. Uh, but like one area where he does need to work on, I think, is maybe his crossing, because as good as his passing is, his crossing accuracy has dropped about 10% over the last year, which obviously isn't great. And it's an aspect of his game that if he can get that back to the levels he was hitting previously, then he's sort of got it all, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, he's that kind of player as well. I think he's actually... With stats, he's such an influence of the team. Even at a young age, when he's there, the team are players around him feel better for it. I mean, if you're it's the likes of Sinclair, he's going to feel it's the kind of same as like um, Tavernier and Candace. They're they're an axis, and as much as Sinclair's not been as good this season, he's still a force to be reckoned with at this level. And to have those two on the one side, to have knowing he has someone like Tierney who can attack, but also is fit enough and is defensively capable enough to go back is, is huge. I mean, and I can just look in there. He's So he's got five assists this season and there's a lot of, lot of players on five, including Sinclair, including the likes of Stuart Armstrong as well. So he's in good company there in terms of who he's level with, but the only people ahead of him are the likes of Scott Allen, Jamie Murphy, Candace, um, Tavernier, like people who have either, like Tavernier, had a great season or creative midfielders. So again, for him to be chipping in with so many assists from left back, uh, yeah, it might have diminished slightly from last season, but I think, as you say, it's kind of uh, endemic of what's happened at Celtic. It's probably every, every player's maybe dropped off slightly because last season was pretty unbelievable. But um, It's the consistency with Tierney as well. It's it every time you see him, he's just, you're going to get a 7 out of 10 every single time, minimum. Yeah. You know, it's. And, that, and the th- things as well, I just think he's the kind of player where his fitness is unbelievable. I, I just can't. You're right. I just you don't you just never expect him to play play, play play badly. Sorry, he's someone who's playing for his childhood team, childhood heroes, and he could easily lose motivation because they're a team where they keep winning. They've won everything so far, yeah. um, but his performance never drops off. Never, never drops off. And he, in that team, he's such a huge presence in that dressing room at like 20, 21 years old. Uh, and it's a total testament to him and I think like I know Stefan's going to argue and there's some other players who obviously have played well uh, left back but I just think it's so hard to look past him uh, and I, I think he's easily the best young player in Scotland Yeah um, it's 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 probably impossible to argue against Tierney as being the best left back in Scotland uh, but this 
like I said at the top of the show, this isn't an argument as who is the best player in a certain position. And as you said, you could probably make a pretty succinct argument that Tierney hasn't been as good as he did last season, um, which is one of the reasons I've not picked him. Um, I think he has been great, don't get me wrong. He probably still has on part and performance and average been the best left-back, but compared to his own steep, uh, you know, uh, what you call it, um, expectations, um, I don't think he's pushed on Maybe he can't. Maybe he simply can't get any better at this level in Scottish football. Um, but when I was looking at left backs, I kept getting drawn towards Greg Taylor Kilmarnock because, uh, for all Tierney uh, has been fantastic going forward, Greg Taylor's actually been a better defender than him, uh, and I'll tell you why. Um, in terms of defensive duels, which are headers, interceptions, and tackles. No fullback in the league has more per match than Greg Taylor this season. Um, in terms of tackle success rates, so that means how many tackles they win. Tierney had 38.1% of his tackles he won. Greg Taylor had 48%. And even though Celtic was uh, Tierney was playing for a Celtic team or constantly harassing looking for the ball, uh, Taylor actually averaged more interceptions than him as well. Um, and he's also a young fullback. Obviously, Taylor was a part of that Kilmarnock team last season so this isn't really a breakthrough season for him but I think he really does characterise the way that Kilmarnock have stepped up the gear under Steve Clark. Um he's worked so well on the left hand side with Jordan Jones and yet you know what he's nowhere near as good attacking wise as other fullbacks in the league as not just in terms of Tierney or Tavernier or something, even just simple like he's no he's just not an attacking fullback but um you know I like the idea of my defenders being able to defend and I think Taylor has offered for Kilmarnock a real uh, concrete uh, reassured performance from the left back spot for Kilmarnock and yeah I'm going to give it to him because uh, as much as obviously I have a lot of Celtic fans screaming at me right now and that's fine but I think uh, I think Taylor's had an outstanding season I think he's done he's, he's characterised what Kilmarnock have all been all about this season and in terms of numbers he's been a better defender than just about any left back in the league One thing I will say about Taylor as well which I think is worth pointing out is that Actually, his cross accuracy is higher than Tierney's. Oh, his, really? His crossing success rate's better. I mean, he doesn't, enough, he doesn't attempt nearly as many. Yeah, game. that's yep. correct. Yeah, he doesn't attempt as many, and then he's also got Erwin and Boyd, who are both pretty much a, a fairly big presence in the box. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think it's worth pointing out that you know, uh, in that aspect at least, he is yeah, again better than Tierney. Yeah. In that respect. Thanks for making my argument. Yeah, so you now agree with me then? But I'm, st- I'm sticking with Tierney. Although I do, I do. Could you just be my one does argument pants? I do feel sorry for Greg Taylor though, just in terms of like long-term development. It's like, weird how he's like never going to get in the Scotland squad. Being, yeah, being a left back, a Scottish left back, there seems like such a horrible trade. <laughs> yeah, but you'd be definitely want to try and be a right back, wouldn't you? Right I've seen him play for the under twenties. I thought he played well, but the whole time you're just thinking. It's as good as it gets, man. Sorry. Scottish centre mids in the eighties, you know, like yeah. uh, <laughs> they were good, but they were Graham Sudeirs or the like. Find a grand from Canada, mate. And, uh, <laughs> right. um, Let's move over to right back then. So maybe the argument was before that it was going to be. Uh, well, I think the official one was uh, Tavernier was the right back for them, wasn't it? The official SPFL team of the year. Yes. Um, anybody fancying him at right back? I'm going with Stephen Whitaker. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> I've Tavernier's my choice, uh, and I kind of similar to fashion to what we were saying actually about uh, Tavernier uh, about Quintini. Uh, Since he's he's out, his, his attacking output for Rangers has been uh, outstanding this season, but he's also had a relatively decent um, 
defensive record as well. Like I know he kind of gets caricatured as you know this wing back who doesn't do any defending. I know uh, he could do a lot better in terms of like defending cross balls. Sometimes he's not great at that, but he's top three in the league for successful defensive duels per ninety. Again, that's you know a combination of tackle. That's an that's an accumulation sort of headers, tackles, and interceptions. Um, he's top three in that. So you know. He's not just he's not Marcelo. He's not he's not a fullback who runs up the wall, runs up the ball, tries flexing things and then just kinda of jogs back. He has been a very good consistent player for Rangers, I think, in a season where they've looked for consistency. Um and yeah, okay, perhaps he has kind of like uh, symbolised that whole kind of gung ho approach Rangers have taken at points this season where they've kind of thrown defence and defending to the the, the wind, but I think he gets far too much stick. I think he's a standing player. Uh, I think it's, 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 I think with every Rangers player this season, we have to kind of qualify it by saying they've played under three coaches to an extent, you know, yeah, over the last 12 yeah. months or so. And every single one of them's had a completely different style of football. Yeah, I would say if you're can flourish, if you a player that can flourish in this Rangers team, then it probably bodes well for you going forward if there is actually some stability and a starting 11 to 15 that... You even saw it, like, sorry to interrupt you, but you look, look at that brief run that Marty had, albeit against maybe lesser sides, but it was... A time you're like, you know how he's going to line up, mm-hmm. and you maybe give or take one player, two players, you roughly knew what that starting 11 was going to be like, and pen, players benefited from it because they knew what the role was. Um, obviously, the wheels came off when it came, they came up against Celtic or better opposition, but I think Tavenier is one of the players for the full season who's known what his role is, whether it needs to be actually honed in and he needs to become more defensive under another coach. He knows exactly what he's about, and him and Kondias, because of that, have probably been their two best players this season. I think a lot of the discussion around Tavernier though as well is based it's just based on this perception of yeah he likes bombing forward he doesn't do the work defensively because even in terms of his aerial duels he actually he wins more than he loses in the air yeah he's got like a it's about a fifty nine percent success rate mm-hmm. which is pretty good considering he's not the tallest player in the world so like yeah as 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 we were saying as well like just going forward it just gives you so much. Um, in terms of assists in the league, he's fifth overall. In terms of secondary assists, he's top with nine. Uh, in terms of crosses per ninety, he's up in the top five again. Like again, he's just—he's <clears throat> a really creative outlet. Mm-hmm. And he's a threat from set pieces as well. And of course, he's got that in his locker. He's also had to do all that with the constant backdrop of really, really bad centre backs for the most part. Um, I know. Most part, I would probably say the whole part, really. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you'd have maybe like a Bates or someone who for, over, but that'd be over the run of like four or five games before it got shuffled again, you know. Mm. So um, he's had to basically be a one-man show in the wing. Uh, although I'd also add to that, that he's had a really good partnership with Daniel Kindeus. Yeah. The two of them have probably been arguably the two of the best in the position this season. Um, I think obviously James Forrest is up there with Kindeus. I think Kindeus has still got better attacking stats than him. Um, if you if you've been very so solely on the Premiership, but um, yep, I mean you know we talked about the way the the Kachina, um time at Rangers fell apart. Candias has settled in quite well. I don't think the fact I think the fact that he's played behind or ahead of Tavenier has helped that a lot. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I'm saying I agree with all this, but then also I think I'm going to argue. Kind of in a similar way, you argue for Greg Taylor over Tierney. I'm going to go with Stephen O'Donnell at Kilmarnock, just in the way that he's performing, performing sorry, for his club. So, slightly maybe less in some of these metrics than uh, Tavernier, but I mean, eighth, and o- eighth overall for defensive duels with 308. Um, he's also in the top 20 for overall interceptions as well. Um, but then you look at his attacking stats as well, and, uh, and he's been very, very impressive. So, fourth overall for key passes. So, that's 
um, 17 key passes. So that's just behind Tierney with 19, which uh, cannot be sniffed at, no matter who you are. And, and the Omar look right back. Well, that's it, exactly. So that's the one thing I would say you've got to take into consideration. Rangers are a team that are going to be on the front foot more. Uh, the only three players with more key passes, which James said earlier on, are passes that lead to shots, are Tierney, Tavernier, Oh my God! Is that, has done it again? Haven't you? Yeah. What is wrong with me? I don't know. I feel like Derek Ray in the first part of like the first time he was playing in the championship. Like <laughs> no one knew, the, no one knew the pronunciation. Uh, and uh, and and Candias are the only three players with more key passes this season, and um, those are Celtic and Rangers players. So I think that cannot be sniffed at. And he's also tenth overall passes into the final third. So this is a player who's got some of the best defensive stats in the league. Um, for a t- and again, I think it maybe embodies what Steve Clark was about in terms of how he wanted his defence and particularly his fullbacks to play. Um, and I know, like, uh, yeah, I, th- I just think uh, he was a very good. I, I think I think he was a very good mix between being a solid defender, but also adding and contributing quite a significant amount to Kilmarnock going forward. A few of a few of our readers are Kilmarnock fans, and they've been constantly in touch yeah. with me all season about on Twitter about get O'Donnell on the sit Scotland team, get him in. I'm like, if, if you want. No. Well, here's the thing. Like, who are we playing at right back at the moment usually for Scotland? Uh, I think he played maybe Forrest. He's, he plays wing backs, mm-hmm. uh, McLeish, I think. So that fits him with O'Donnell perfectly, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, I mean, I would say like, as long as you had somewhere else to play Forrest, it was maybe better than wing back. Whether you do or not, it's another question. Yeah. But, but I think he should certainly be in the squad. And actually, it's quite amazing. And I put my hands up. We're looking through these stats that we've not actually covered him really that much this season. We've covered a lot of Kilmarnock players. We've looked at Mullenby, we've looked at Dicker, mm-hmm. uh, we've looked at Boyd, uh, we've looked at Brophy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in that Dicker article I even talked about the centre of defence quite a bit in terms mm-hmm. of they were evergreen but solid. But we've not actually looked at them that much and um, it's maybe something to look into for us going into next season, even just looking back at the current season because um, I think it was just that time we got so excited with Kilmarnock because everybody was playing well. So it was yeah. really hard to cover everybody because the turnaround was ridiculous. So... You could credit pretty much everybody in that team, uh, but it got to the point where we're, we're kind of struggling. Um, I was just going to say honourable mention for Richard Tate, yeah, fair, as well, yeah, yeah. back. I think he's had a great season. Uh, his crossing again is very good. He's got a forty percent success rate. Um, manages more crosses than Tavernier. Uh, any given game. Well pronounced. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I did my research, mate. Yeah, exactly. God, <laughs> brutal. I think I did this another podcast, and it was like Graham was in the verge of like slapping my leg I think and I was like fair enough I generally don't know what's wrong with me I'm broken um, no Tate's a shout would your pick be um, I, I think it's hard to look past Tav- Tavernier to be honest yeah, yeah Tavernier's my right back fair enough I mean, and you go with O'Donnell I'm going to go with O'Donnell yeah um, cool. yeah centre-backs so, so far so good centre-backs so um, should we do one each and then do another one each? I think that's a shout. I think, okay. there might, is there going to be any overlap here? I think there might be slight overlap with one, one centre-back. But yeah, I mean, Stefan, you start. You, you, I feel. Uh, okay, cool. Uh, well, my first one is Christoph Berra, uh, who might be a contentious choice, but I think he kind of fits into the same camp as McLaughlin as being uh, a really, really pinnacle player for Hearts this season in terms of not just what he brings to the team in terms of experience, leadership, blah, 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 um, his actual stats are outstanding too. Um, you know, he won more headed duels per Scottish Premiership match than anyone in the league this season, and that really is where his game starts and it's not ends. But that's that's I think that's the best way to sum it up. He just wins headers, um, which is such an important part for a centre back. He's maybe not the best passer of the ball uh, in the league. He might not be the best, you know, intercepting. I know those guys like Keepy, for example, are much better in, in that regard, but. I just, I just look at that Hearts team if, and I think I struggle to think of an out, 
an outfield player who is so pinnacle his team uh, as Christoph Berra. Maybe Scott Brown. I was going to say maybe Scott uh, Brown. for Celtic in the big games, mm-hmm. but from week to week. Um, and I know Rangers. Ha- I know Hearts have John Suter, who's also another good centre back. So, but the way that Hearts have just kind of clung on to the top six this season, and the way that they've just fortified the defence. I know a large part of that's McLaughlin. That maybe takes away from arguing about Bearer, but uh, yeah, I think he's one of the best in, the, in terms of uh, heading the ball in the league. He's one of the best, um, and. Yeah, I think he's been crucial to Hearts and therefore one of the best centre backs in the league. Yeah, not to be boring, but I'm going to say better as well. Um, I think there's so many things you can say to detract from his performances. I've, I, I was I actually was at Tynecastle a couple of times this season. He looked really slow. Um, he's definitely very slow. Yeah, but it kind of works. I'm not saying Suter's the paciest defender, but it kind of works having youth beside them. Um, I, mean, I suppose he is, yeah, he is pacey, yeah, but like, bad, yeah. yeah, but they work well together, and I think that's another thing. He is, I think he's quite vital, and I think Suter wouldn't be nearly as half the player that he is at the moment if he didn't have Berra beside them. And I think that's fair to say. I, th- I still think Suter's improved a lot. I still think he's got a lot improving to do um, before he's like a fully fledged international. I think a lot of people are calling him to be in the squad. Not necessarily against that, but I don't think he's first choice for Scotland by any means right now. Um, I think playing next to Berra has been massively beneficial to him and therefore beneficial to Hearts. I think you're right, and going back again to what I said about Tierney, but um, influence, when he's not playing, you, even as a neutral, you're worried for Hearts. Um, he, he's huge, uh, and as I say, he's just a kind of colossus in terms of winning headers. And it might sound so simplistic, but in terms of being a defender, you could probably argue that in a league like Scotland, where there are going to be a lot of teams playing in the air, being good in the air and winning aerial duels when you're a defender is vital. Uh, it's your bread and butter. It really is. And I mean, some of his other stats, he's got the most kind of shots blocked in the league. Uh, another stat that's pretty impressive. Um, that's 24 shots blocked. He's got a pretty decent per 90 stat as well. Um, his aerial duels, as you said, Stephanie, Stephanie's first in terms of overall for that. He's got a 71% success rate. I mean, when you've got, that's the thing. So there might be people with better success rates, but that over 70% success rate when you've done, you, you've had so many aerial duels uh, in itself is really really impressive that's um, such a good point because the, the best in terms of winning headers in the league is Bruno Alves but it's clear that Bruno Alves isn't much more than a guy who headers the ball do you know what I mean so yeah. who would you rather have in your team well that's what I'm saying like I'm we're painting mm. Berra off as this guy who only heads the ball yeah. but he obviously does so much more yeah, yeah. because someone Berra or uh, Alves is a one dimensional defender in my opinion Berra has a lot more to his game in that. I would completely agree with that. And in terms of they've got similarities in that they need to play slightly deeper because they don't have the pace. But with, with Alves, as you say, he is literally there and he has to play in the six-yard box and header. Whereas Berra does not. To the, he's not lost his pace so much it's, that he's that bad. He's got probably better positional sense, I would say. And I know Alves is probably going to be World Cup and he's been a class player throughout his career. But at this stage, he's 37 years old. That is four years older than Berra. Um, I, yeah, I just think better. In terms of your saying, his interceptions might be lower than the likes of Keeper, but he's still sixth in the league, um, just under 250 interceptions. So I think it's hard to argue against him. And uh, in terms of importance for a club again, like you said, Stefan, I think it's very, very hard to kind of kind of look past him to not be one of the two at least. Anyway, well, he wasn't one of my. Ah, uh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> he set you up right there. <laughs> it's impossible to look past him. <laughs> <laughs> and he stopped saying impossible. Like it's really unfair. And stop saying. Uh, James to Tavernier. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my, my first pick was Cedric Kipri. And obviously it's crazy to think this is his first full professional season. Um, it's totally mad, I think, considering that he's got the most interceptions in the league. Uh, most interceptions, highest interceptions per 90 as well. 
he's attempted more defensive duels than any other centre back, which I think really highlights his aggression. Like he's excellent at <clears throat> really charging down the ball and like going attempting to win it. His aerial duels again, like we said, Berra was on seventy one percent. Keep rates on sixty five, which <clears throat> obviously okay, it's not as as good, but it's not far off. I think he's only what twenty twenty one, and again he's got a remarkable consistency in that. He plays virtually every game unless he's suspended, uh, which is maybe the one aspect of his game where he needs to be a bit more careful. He's like, he's not averse to a, a reckless or risky challenge every so often, but if he, you know, he's young, and if he can cut that out of his game and just sort of keep doing what he's doing, I, I think he's a fantastic young centre-back. Keep is one of mine as well, and I think the reasons you've outlined are partly to do with why um, I'd want him there. I think the other reason is if he was playing next to Abera, that's the perfect player yeah. to have that partnership of kind of youth and experience and I think he would maybe calm Kipri down but I think what you're saying is in terms of Kipri's style you know if you're an attacker you're going to be in for a tough afternoon like if you tell me a striker when they know they're going to be playing, playing up against Kipri they're going to be happy about it they're not because they're going to be it's going to be a, a really hard day for them and they're going to be in a, in a fight from like minute one to minute 90 yeah, he's, not, he's not the kind of defender to sort of sit back and try and read the game and then you know make clever interceptions you know he's, he's not that kind of player he's, he's just going to He's going to see the ball, he's going to charge at it, and he's going to beat you up and take it off you, basically. And I think as a centre-back, like, that's a pretty much an ideal combo. Fair enough, maybe in terms of his distribution and that side of the game, yeah, but that's not great, but then that's not what he's there to do. Mm. You know, and I, I think that he's had an absolutely brilliant first season at Motherwell, and I really hope that they can just hold on to him now. Yeah, he's going to be a real star for them, isn't he? I, I really hope so, I really do. Okay. Yeah, hope yourself. Um, so my second one's actually another young star in Christopher Ayer, um, and this is a bit more uh, nuanced, I guess. And I know we've been very stats heavy so far, and this maybe it's a cop out, I don't know. But I just looking at the season as a whole, um, I think Ayer's probably been one of the most um, important defenders in the league. I'll tell you why. Um, at the start of the season, Celtic were chasing the signature of Roberts to my great be- bewilderment really I moaned about it on Twitter I moaned about it on this podcast you know why aren't they trying to get a centre back why aren't they trying to get a centre back oh my god they've sold Eric Zviachenko what are they doing you know um, we're going to be stuck with Simonovic and Bogata all season um, and then all of a sudden this kid who was on loan at Kilmarnock kind of comes out of nowhere I know Kilmarnock fans will say definitely wasn't out of nowhere did well for us but he he he, he kind of comes into the team and yeah he's had a few you know a few Bambi and Ice moments at the start but um, I think he's just kind of came into this team and he's probably fixed the number one issue that Rogers was facing the Celtic team uh, in terms of having a centre back who he can rely upon and I really do think this guy has everything he's absolutely humongous uh, in terms of you know he attempts more aerial duels than any other Celtic player in the league. Uh, and as you said, James, with uh, Capri, it shows you know how good he is in terms of positioning, how good he is at getting under the ball. Uh, his success rate is only 1% less than Bayata, who is considered the best header of the ball at Celtic. Uh, and even at that, it's probably about 10% better than Celtic's, uh, the likes of Hendry or Simunovic. But on top of that, he's also a much better player at actually starting plays. Uh, he attempts about three times more dribbles per game than Bayata. And Lustig, Lustig who's maybe a fullback, you know, uh, his passing rate is about 80, 81.48%, which is much better than any other players in the league. 
He makes far more passes into the final third than any other centre back at Celtic, um, and his key passes are much better than a centre back. I know there's a really weird metrics to use to define a centre back, but the point I'm making here is that he's just about as good as defensively as any other player in the league, if not better. But he's also far much, he's also far better at getting the ball around the park. He makes far less long balls than any other centre back at Celtic. He's better at holding on to the ball. He's better at creating plays and doing basically playing football that. Brendan Rodgers wants him to play. He's like a custom-built defender for Brendan Rodgers' style yeah, yeah. of football. Um, and therefore, you know, he might not have won more headers than some other players or defend or tackles, interceptions or centre-backs. But I think he's probably been maybe the most improved alongside likes of Kepri. Uh, but you're probably going to be the most important player in Celtic's defence next season mm-hmm. after, you know, obviously Tierney maybe. I think that just when you've got... Uh a centre back like that who's really technical and who can actually play football, like there's always going to be space for them in a team yeah. as long as the defensive side of their game holds up. Yeah. Um and that's the thing with Ayer, it's like we were saying before we start recording, like there's like shades of Van Dyke in there in terms of the playing style. And I Absolutely, think, yeah. And I think particularly when you're Celtic and you're going to dominate a lot of the ball, if you can have a centre back that can distribute the ball as well as a midfielder, that you know, it's like playing with an extra man almost because mm-hmm. if the rest of the team are going, if the opposition are going man for man on you, yeah, centre backs to one area, you're probably going to like leave one striker to take on two guys. Yeah, so. 100% agree with that. Like both of you are saying, I think I was just saying the only time it'd be quite interesting to see is when it comes to Europe. Yeah, and I know they don't adapt their style, and that's problematic, but mm-hmm. whether that'll be the case next season. That's literally but. what I said. I did an article now a few weeks ago yeah. and I went through all these stats and I said that one thing he's left to prove is whether he can do it in the coming qualifiers. And if he can, then he'll be a real star because um, Celtic fans have so long had young players in an attacking sense they get excited about, but they've always been worried about defence. And now they've finally got a defensive player who. It's a fashionable defender, isn't he? He's quite. Do you mean they've not had really names that are like, oh, he's kind of cool to like, like a Tierney or like a, yeah. he's he's quite exciting. I, I, you're right, though. And Van Dijk's a good example. I could easily see him going on to be worth a considerable or similar amount to what they sold Van Dyke for and a top top player you know, I think the only thing for Celtic might be now is just a case of holding on to him because he's just signed a new deal now five years I think it right. is maybe three I can't remember four I think four. there's a lot of clubs particularly down in England that were sort of kicking themselves over Van Dyke like why did we wait so long you know when he was doing so well mm-hmm. we'd waited now as a Scottish football fan, I'm quite glad they yeah. did because it's quite funny. To oh, see. oh, definitely, definitely, it's great. You know, it's a great advert for the Scottish league. But uh, you just wonder if then they've, they've learned, learned lessons from that and said, "Yeah, next time we're not going to wait so long and watch his value go up and up and up. Next time we're going to get him early for yeah. seven or eight, as opposed to waiting a few years <coughs> and getting him for twenty. Yeah, fair. I mean, am I right in saying you get one more defender? Or are we? Yeah. Are we, who was your second? Pre- yeah. Oh, you don't. So I, I jumped pre- in just That's after. That's fine. Yeah. Oh, James, and you got the last. Uh, well, I was sort of dithering between two uh, players here. One of them was Ayer, mm-hmm. and then the other one was Boyata. Right. Uh, so I've, I've decided to go with Boyata in the end. Um, now, he's not played as many games as other players in the league, which is maybe why he's not been included in the the official team of the season. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, he's made 24 appearances in the league, but 39 in total this season. So there's maybe an argument to say he's not played enough to be considered. Uh, but I think, you know, he's, he's still played in more than half the games of his team and again it's kind of it's kind of like Ayer where he do, gives you a lot more in distribution as well and um, like fair enough his distribution might not be quite as good as Ayer's but I think his defensive stats are better and he's really grown over the last like over this season I think he's really became a lot more consistent mm-hmm. like, yeah he's got the odd 
big mistake in him. Like we were again, we were saying before we came on that he's made a couple of big mistakes against like uh, there's one in the old firm and there was one in. It's a win that's one against Rangers, and there's the first goal against Bayern Munich was the one I know. That's right, yeah. Um, so he still has got that to his game, but I think those incidents are, few, are becoming few and far between, mm-hmm. and they're becoming it's not happening as often. And because of that, like, he's just he seems to be taking a lot more responsibility within that defence. Mm-hmm. And again, he's he's one of these players who's happy to start moves from the back, and he's ha- he's comfortable passing the ball. Yep. And I think I always think it's good to have like at least one player like that in your defence. So as I say, I was sort of diving between Ayer and Boyata, but. I'm going for Boyata. Yeah, I think Boyata's a really interesting one because you forget how young the guy is. He's only 27, which for the centre-back isn't that much at all. He's still got maybe like a two or three years before he even gets his peak. And in terms of his actual like physical stats, he's probably he's definitely arguably one of Celtic's best players. You know, He wins more headers, tackles, interceptions and things. Um, it's just a case of year on, year on, trying to iron out those things, which you could, as you said, you can argue... Uh, just fixed from sheer experience and being used to playing Champions League games for Celtic or yeah. learning to pass the ball the way Brendan Rodgers wants him to, which I think he still struggles with at times. Um, however, I think I remember when Celtic signed him, I went to his first press conference and I couldn't, I honestly couldn't believe how softly spoken the guy was. Really? He's <laughs> honestly, he's, he's obviously a mountain of a man, but he speaks like a mouse. He was so so. He was like a, he was I, honestly. I couldn't believe he sounded like a child almost. Like really? he was very pensive. Um, I remember the kind of news around. There was a quite a lot of surprise at Celtic bottom. I think he was maybe a bit surprised that he got moved to Celtic because at the time he wasn't really wanted at Man City. Um, and yeah, I think I think when Celtic signed him, they realised that it was a player who's obviously got the physical attributes, but he needs to be coached the right way. And I think that's what Celtic have been doing. And, I think Rodgers probably relies on him more than the likes of Simunovic. I'd be interested to see what happens this summer because we've already seen Sviachenko leave. Simunovic has always courted every transfer window. He was actually supposed to go last summer, but they were dead. Um, if we end up having a back line of you know, uh, Boyata and Ayer and then maybe Jack Hendry as reserve, I don't think too many fans would have too much issue with that. And then wherever they've locked Comper up, I don't know where he is these days, but if he's sitting there maybe he's behind a glass shield waiting break for in case of emergency perhaps but um yeah i i i think i think Boyata has had a good season it's just the problem is the only thing that stood against him for me in the likes of Berra or Ayer was if we are just being very specific to the premiership that old firm game yeah. um although i'm now wondering if that was in one of the cup games it may well be no it was the 3-2 i think at Ibrox wasn't it so um, and then that was a very much a case of like heads going down like oh god he's done it again yeah, you know yeah. and that and he, and he unfortunately still has that in him and I don't know if that's just because he plays for Celtic and just because he's a centre back I'm sure other centre backs have made plenty of mistakes uh, this season but that seems to be the one that uh, dogs him yeah I think that's fair call it there yeah. so we'll just do a quick recap of our back fours James I'll let you go first yeah, okay so I had yeah, John McLaughlin go and then Tierney on the left uh, oh god who did happen to the right Tavern here at the right, <laughs> and then Keepery and Boyata at centre back. What about you, Stefan? I also had McLaughlin, I had Taylor at left back, then Ayer, Berra, and Tavenier. Cool. I'm really glad I don't have to say the Rangers right back's name anymore, so I won't say it wrong. I've read, I tried to write down the phonetic uh, pronunciation. You've got, oh, you've got Stefan Uduno. Yeah, <laughs> I've also got James Kearney. Um, like, uh, so I'm going left back, uh, Keenan Tierney. I'll go for goalkeeper as well, if, just in case you forgot. Tierney goals, interesting. Tierney goals, yeah. Now, John McLaughlin goals, Keenan Tierney at right, uh, left back, sorry, Stephen O'Donnell at right back, and then Keep Prem Berra in the middle, I reckon. 
uh, fair enough. Yeah. And then next week we'll be back with midfielders, so we can. Uh, Obviously, you know, if you've got any objections, let us know. We're not really looking for a dog's abuse, but it'd be great if listeners did actually tweet us and who they thought would be their choice. Is it worth saying that we did decide what formation we're going to do this in as well? Oh, yeah. So we decided on a kind of universal formation between the three of us, so not so it means that next week we'll all choose the same amount of midfielders. So I think we're going to go for a 4-3-3. Yeah, with three centimetres. Yeah, so uh, fun. That'll be interesting next week. Uh, anyway, so coming up on the site, uh, at the moment anyway, we've got on our... our Sunday Herald article on the Scottish Premiership Player of the Year. So uh, some of the players uh, mentioned uh, will either feature, perhaps feature in the future in the podcast, but uh, Berra's in there. Um, but you have to read it to find out who the actual Player of the Year is uh, himself. Uh, we've got a piece from Stefan on uh, Callum McGregor and why Alex McLeish should build the Scotland squad around him, which is quite interesting, looking at the options we have in the centre midfield. So uh, Stefan kind of dug into numbers on that one. Uh, James, you looked at Jack Ross and why, as much as he's a, he's a loss to St Mirren Scottish football, he's going to be the perfect manager for Sunderland. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, also got a what I, most recently what I've seen, which, which was what if Gretna went bust. Um, didn't go bust, bust yeah. <laughs> I'm really doing well today, aren't I? <laughs> um, what if Gretna didn't go bust and how different Scottish football would look uh, if they hadn't and whether it was just really a vanity project from start to finish. And then we've got plenty more coming up on the site. We've got, uh, you'll be looking, Stefan, at Stephen Gerrard who takes over Rangers this week where he really needs to sort the squad out and um, essentially what, what he needs to fix before, this, before the season starts in about three days time given the European game starts so soon uh, and there'll be plenty more on the site as well so uh, you can, that's obviously at the2.1.com where you can also find out more about subscription plans uh, including signing up for a free trial uh, you can also sign up for our daily newsletter there uh, again that's completely free it just keeps you up to date with all the headlines at around half three four o'clock perfect for you coming out of work uh, to perp you up and then we've also got uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at the 2.1 and you can also find us on iTunes and Audio Boom, uh, the 2.1 cast where you can leave us reviews or uh, rate us that would be great if you could do that but until then we'll be back next week with another episode of the 2.1 cast <laughs>